On last week's episode of Hanging With Hardcore, we had Johnny Butler on the show. One of Johnny's key messages, which helped him lose 60 kilos in just 18 months, was the idea of extreme ownership. We thought that this was such an important idea that we wanted to dedicate this whole episode to it. Now, we have found personally that a lot of people, they struggle to come to terms with this idea and that is completely understandable. It really is quite a foreign concept. But for us here at Hardcore, we back extreme ownership 100%. Why? Because extreme ownership is the mindset that leads to a life of empowerment. It pushes you to act and take control of your life rather than just taking it easy and playing the weak victim. Also, as a quick side note, before we jump into the podcast, just like to touch on that you may have noticed so far that all of our podcasts, they've been focusing on mindset and character. This is by design. What we are trying to do is create for you an educational series, which will help you go from A to Z. So right now we're still in the A's, the B's and the C's, and we'll eventually get to the more complicated stuff like investing and finances. So for right now, it's crucial. We don't rush the process. We do the work like Jiro and we go large. I hope you enjoy this podcast and I hope you find it valuable. Three, two, one. <laughs> We're live, boys. <laughs> so, uh, good shit, boys. Love this one. <laughs> welcome to the fourth episode of Hanging with Hardcore. And, uh, yes, sir. On this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about extreme ownership because we were inspired by our last podcast when we had Johnny Boy on, who was the probably the best representation in our immediate circle of extreme ownership. Um, but yeah, but before we start that, Dylan, yeah, mate. your skull seems a little bigger than usual. Man, she grows in proportion to the knowledge I consume. <laughs> I consume that much knowledge, son. That she grows by a little square inch I every swear, day. I swear your skull is two inches thicker today. Well, I'm telling you, Mark. You're 100% correct, son. I, honestly, when you brought that concept up, I thought you were joking entirely. No, nah, I'm being dead serious, man. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. Uh, so, important podcast by Johnny Boy. You got a big fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but like in all seriousness, I feel like we all gained some knowledge when we had Johnny Boy on. And especially like with the extreme ownership. Like for me personally, it made me reflect on the actions that I was taking mm. and like kind of, I guess, looking myself in the mirror and being like, am I actually doing what I should be doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. We got a lot of good feedback about that podcast. Yeah. It's really helping a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. I think that that's the big thing that we're trying to do is like the title or like the, the name of our podcast, Hanging With Hard, Hardcore. People are starting to get the concept because we have created all of these ideas and this way of life. Yeah. And now people are finally starting to understand what we're about and they can see that they can, they can learn from us. Mm. And it's a good feeling, man. How did you guys um, feel after that Johnny Boy podcast? Like, how did it affect you guys? Well, I mean, felt like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did, man. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, blessed, blessed, because mm. it was a massive kick in the ass again. Yeah. Like even do the podcast, Marky, and Marky was saying, 
you boys are going next level again. So he was saying everything he's seen podcasts, um, he's seen content, he's been seeing, and a lot of other people have been saying as well, like whether it's physically challenging, where it's everything we're putting out, it's next tier again. Like we're going again. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. I guess that's what hardcore is about. And it's exciting for people to be able to recognize and see that. And yeah, we're feeling that, as Dylan was, was saying, we're, we're feeling that whole of, you know, community. It made, sure. it, awesome. it made me like question myself i don't know about you guys but it made me question myself in like all aspects of life like not just fitness as well like um everything i'm doing i i, I want to ask myself like am i doing am i doing as much as i can can i yeah, raise my standards more yeah mm. i think that's what mm. talking to johnny boy and like listening to that podcast has taught me that's my main takeaway yeah, yeah. i feel like that podcast like we consume a lot of information from like really uh, impressive people online right and i feel like that podcast that we created mm. like we can consume ourselves oh yeah um i think that's a really cool feeling another thing is it's like weird to see like because obviously we don't know david goggins personally we don't know yeah. like jocko willing personally it's crazy yeah. to see that in person like mm. in in johnny boy's form like for him and you know like He's doing this shit. You know it. Yeah. Like the way he's so convincing when he says it. I got a few messages saying that people finally understand it. When I've told them about university is not always the best option for them. After listening to that one, they can't, they finally made, it made sense to them because they could see that, you know, how does Johnny do it? If he wants to learn something, he's actually going to go and take action and get a job in that area that he needs to improve on. Yeah. And you get paid, you know, that's one of our concepts that we always say at Hardcore. You know, from day one with our courses, that's what we do, boys. Mm. But I think maybe another key takeaway is we probably didn't actually learn anything. Like we didn't actually learn new information. No. And you're not always supposed to learn new information, but it's about doing those repetitions to align your brain back to that standard, yeah, yeah. To back to that. Yeah, because you know? your brain can like drift to other. Yeah, it drifts to other places. Yeah. You focus on other shit. Yeah, questioning from like one of the big things for me is questioning that um, like bias that some people have of like maybe my mental toughness is not actually where I thought it was. Oh, that's a good one. So like now I'm physically push, putting myself in situations again to like just fuck my shit up. Yeah. Because I don't want to ever, I, f- I don't want to ever take that mental toughness for granted. Yeah, for sure. It's like we did a decent amount of work in the last couple of years to really build that shit. I don't want to now because I've left the job. I don't want to get comfortable with it. And I've been like, I've been noticing, especially with you, Doc, like you're just running a lot more. You're training harder. Yeah. And so. um, I think like you're putting it out there and you're holding yourself more accountable for that because yeah. you're putting it out there. Mm-hmm. The training's an easy one for people to be able to visualize and see because it's something they can relate to. Yeah. Um, what people don't see is like, I'm fucking on the, com- I'm up earlier now. I'm on the computer longer. Um you know, reading more. Um, I, I feel like I'm putting more effort into the deeds as well. Yeah. Like every, I'm taking everything to the next standard personally is what I'm really trying to do and what I feel like I am doing. So. Yeah. Like, like making these, it's only been three podcasts and this will be the fourth. Like the, the one about standards, how you said like to build confidence, uh, just make yourself these small promises and then execute on those small promises. Mm. Um, so like one thing, like I would like, wake up in the morning but i would lie in bed for five minutes and now i'm like consciously making that effort as yeah. soon as it goes off i'm out yeah and like that's the first win of the day and 
since doing that, I just feel like I've like I'm on a, I've got this momentum going and I can just achieve whatever I want throughout the day. Yeah. And it just feels normal. I don't know. Like in my mindset, like I honestly think obviously it's it's tough like Johnny Boy as well, but staying in five minutes, it's not acceptable, you know? Like for who we want to be. You know, we want to hit a certain level. It's acceptable for some people, but long term, like we can't do that stuff. Yeah. You know, everything matters. Every little detail matters. Yeah. As hardcore grows, as we grow, we're going to get continuously getting busier. So just from that point of view, like we don't have an extra five minutes to be able to spare. So if yeah. you're thinking operationally, like it's a massive opportunity cost right there. I think a, a crazy takeaway that like I noticed during Johnny Boy's podcast was like, he's so meticulous with his time. And I feel like when you hear it from someone else, it makes you question how you are with your time. And like he like splits up his day every 15 minutes. Like he's accountable yeah. for every 15 yeah. minutes of his day. That's insane. We used to do that shit. Yeah. Know? It's like it's fundamentals. Yeah. Right. I think it, that podcast was massive because how we got to where we are now is that we did all of that shit. We did all of that shit. Now, it's not that we've now taken it for granted or we've gone too far off the downside where you think we're some fucking hotshot and too successful. It's like we did so much work. We're now taking a little bit of a step back to now. Do you guys still do that? Like take every minute, like off track every minute yeah. of the day. I don't personally do that. Yeah, like, but I you guys used to do that. Cause I've, I've never personally done that. <laughs> oh, definitely. At, like working yeah. at Nando's when you're pumping out 70 hours. When you're you working. How is that? How is that? Like doing that? Um, did you feel like it helped a lot doing that? I, one, well, absolutely. It absolutely did help. Um, I'll speak about, there's only one negative I see is now, um, even though like I'm not doing it as well as I should be, I know that I'm not doing as well as I should be. So I fucking hate myself for it. I'm like, God damn it. So every time I'm lying in bed, like an extra minute, I'm like, shit, that's a waste of time. Yeah. That's all yeah. the shit because et cetera, et cetera. Now, maybe that's not necessarily a negative, um, but it's like, maybe it is actually a positive because it allows me to stay accountable to that. Um, but it, when you're in, especially that first phase of grinding where you need to work that 70 hours a week at your normal job and then, you know, your minimum of 30 hours just consuming information. Yeah. Um, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. Mm. I mean, like, we always preach, you know, life is a marathon, right? But then, like, during that marathon, you've got to have short periods of sprinting. Yeah. And, like, those short periods of sprinting, you've got to be meticulous with everything because you're achieving a specific goal within a specific time frame. Mm-hmm. So it's, to achieve that, you need to be accountable for everything. You got to, I guess, ties into like what we're talking about now, which is extreme ownership. You got to take extreme ownership about everything. But like in like throughout your life, you should be taking extreme ownership. But then like during those sprints, it matters the most mm-hmm. because you're achieving something. You're trying to get to a certain thing. Like you're trying to achieve a certain goal. So today's podcast is obviously about extreme ownership. Yeah. Do you want to define it? Or do we gonna go around? I can I can just chuck the video on straight away and then we'll yeah we'll summarize yeah. the video. So we got a video. Samuel, do you want to explain who the video is by? Yeah, so the uh, the video is by um, a retired Navy SEAL, uh, Jocko Willink, and um, he is a beast. <laughs> he created he made a book uh, with another Marine, um, Leaf Babin, Leaf Babin, which is called Extreme Ownership, and he talks about the principles of extreme ownership and. Yeah. Um, we're just going to watch a video now describing what he what his thought process is about that. Yeah. Let's go, boys. One of my direct subordinates, one of my guys that worked for me, he would he would call me up or 
pull me aside with some major problem, some issue that was going on. And he'd say, boss, we got this and that and the other thing. And I'd look at him and I'd say, good. And finally one day he was telling me about some issue that he was having, some problem. And he said, I already know what you're going to say. And I said, well, what am I going to say? He said, you're going to say good. He said, that's what you always say. When something is wrong and going bad, you always just look at me and say, good. And I said, well, yeah, when things are going bad, there's going to be some good that's going to come from it. Didn't get the new high-speed gear we wanted? Good. Didn't get promoted? Good. More time to get better. Oh, mission got canceled? Good. We can focus on our work. Didn't get funded. Didn't get the job you wanted. Got injured. Sprained my ankle. Got tapped out. Good. Got beat. Good. Good. Unexpected problems. Good. We have the opportunity to figure out a solution. That's it. When things are going bad, don't get all bumped out. Don't get startled. Don't get frustrated. If you can say the word good, guess what? It means you're still alive. It means you're still breathing. And if you're still breathing, well, then hell, you still got some fight left in you. So get up, dust off, reload, recalibrate, re-engage. Go out on the attack. Let's go, boys. God damn, that pumps me up Let's every time, go, boys. boys. <laughs> Jocko Willink, man. <laughs> so, as you can tell from that snippet, he is an extreme dude. Yeah. Um, and in the military, he was a leader, which is why he got those experiences to write the book to write the principles about extreme ownership. And I don't think anyone before him really like formalized it the way he did. No. I think that usually like a lot of the stories were that stories that are like personal achievements, um, like when it comes from that kind of scenario, but to be able to really articulate it the way he did. Yeah. A lot of it was just like in kind of analogies, like read between the lines kind of thing. Yeah. Like he leans into problems, like he wants problems. Mm. And a lot of people lean away from problems because, you know, that's a part of least resistance, right? But the problem with that is that it gets you literally nowhere. Yeah. yeah. So extreme ownership, ownership is taking responsibility for the problems that happen around you. Yeah. To summarize. Yeah. What can you do about it now? Exactly. You may not have caused that problem, but now it's a part of your life. So now it is now your problem. So what can we do to take action to fix that problem? I mean, even in the book, Jocko talks about like how he how he commanded how he led the army um, into battle, and then there was problems along the way that wasn't caused by him per se. It was caused by a ton of people. Oh yeah. Mm. So if he sits there blaming everyone, and then they're not going to get anything done, especially in that situation. The very first story you guys remember it in the book? No, I can't remember. So, the very first story he talks about is uh, unfortunately there was team on team, or there was. Um, you know, country on country uh, actually were involved in the miscommunication where 
they actually killed one of their own because um, yeah. uh, you know, tech technically you know they had technological technological problems right the radios broke or something something like that but um yeah unfortunately they they're working with I believe the Afghans as well was it I think it was in yeah Iraq. they had some Afghan allies I think yeah Afghan allies who yeah. um and you know, there Ramadi, was some translation problems as well and unfortunately two teams who were working alongside uh, actually fired upon each other and a few people died uh, and got hurt and uh, that's the story that Jocko starts the book off with to really highlight this principle of he can quite easily sit there and say hey and it's justified as well technical tech you know I had technological problems couldn't Mm -hmm. translate uh, from you know the uh, the people I was working with, I couldn't understand them. I didn't know what was going on. He has every almost right to be able to blame anything around him, mm. but he doesn't. He takes responsibility of that, and he moves essentially on and learns how to deal with the fucking problem. Yeah, because the world's gonna be ah, uh, you go. Oh, uh, sorry. And I was gonna say like, and he said he said it as well, himself as well that like it, it hurt his ego to to do that. Yeah, that's something that he better battle with. Like to to come out and say it's my fault. It hurt his ego, but in the long run, it actually came back and helped him oh, because sure. everyone trusted him more, and the and his leaders even like you know they they appreciated that they trusted him more as well. Absolutely, because there's kind of two scenarios that you can take like a course of action. You can either take extreme ownership, be proactive about it, and actually go out there and try and fix it. Or you can have the victim mentality. You're like, oh, it's not my problem. Or it's them. And you start blaming other others and all that stuff. Yeah. Then what happens when you do that? Everything just starts going downhill in your life. And then more problems start coming. And that's how life is. Life is just a whole heap of problems. And we need to just sort them out. Yeah. yeah. Life literally is a struggle. Life is a struggle. It's very, very fucking simple. Everyone in the world, you know, someone's problems are better, you know, harder than someone else's but everyone has their struggles and if everyone let their struggles just get to them you know that's that victim mentality seeping in right you need to take extreme ownership of those struggles of those problems be a better person yeah and fucking solve them i think we need to preface extreme ownership it's extreme ownership right it's hardcore Mm, it is not it's not normal Mm. you've got to be not normal to achieve whatever you want to achieve like that's you've got to do extreme stuff and be in an extreme way to take to follow these principles like it's not meant to be easy the way i see it in my head to visualize it is like a scale you can have victim mentality on the left yeah all right then somewhere in the middle you can take ownership or you can take extreme ownership here on the right then you gotta ask yourself if I choose out of those three different scenarios, which one's actually going to result in my life, you know, being better, you can see straight away. If you just go and just knuckle down and just say, hey, it's not my problem, but I'm going to fix this shit. And I'm going to show up and be the leader and be like, boys, I'm going to solve this shit. If you do that, your life just results in so much more success, so much more happiness. Yeah. I hear this silly thing all the time of like, yeah, but this happened to me or it wasn't my fault or any example you can possibly think of, right? And if Jocko says in the video, good. But what, what do you think is going to happen if you just feel sorry for yourself? Explain to me how you're going to get out of that struggle, how you're going to get out of that problem by feeling sorry for yourself and not doing anything. 
Pick yourself up, dust dust yourself off and get cracking. Fix the problem. It's almost Fix like the problem. Like in that video, it's almost uh it's almost like Jocko sees the world without any emotions. Like he doesn't involve a lot of emotions whenever it comes to his work. Because I feel like with Jocko and extreme ownership, he relates a lot to his military life and his professional life. Like he consults with uh, private companies after he retired from the military and he as a leader like he what he's got to say is so valuable to a company yeah right because he's led people in life or death situations mm-hmm. right um so when he come from that environment and when he says good it's like yeah take your emotions out of it yeah because this is an extreme thing you must do yeah he like if you bring your emotions into it then you're not thinking right yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. He talks about being um, like almost out of body and being objective. Yeah, like, like he, really objective. He uses that as an experience, and he says that was one of the like things that kind of separated him, made him so damn good, as he was able to separate himself. Uh, uh, sorry, look objectively at a very stressful situation. You know, when there's bullets flying and you know everyone's losing their damn mind, he was able, He had the ability to separate himself and um, be objective and. Literally, he said it was like out of body, like he was looking down on the situation himself and be able to understand where all the moving point parts are to yeah. be able to have the leadership and, you know, show extreme ownership of the situation and take responsibility and, you know, uh, set the plan into action. This book is so good as well because it's giving us perspective. He's talking about this crazy shit, mm. like shooting guns, people dying, wars, then if we focus on that and think about how hard that is and he's yeah. taking extreme ownership of that. Yeah. When we come back to bloody McDonald's, working at McDonald's, manager at Nando's and all of that stuff in the workplace, doing a standard office job, dude, it's easy shit. Yeah. It's easy. And it's at every level as well. That's a, that's a good point because like a lot of people could be like, oh yeah, it's, it's not my, I'm not the leader. So it's, I don't have to take yeah. extreme ownership. Mm. But at any level, like start now. Yeah. Just take yeah. the ownership now. Yeah. One thing about leadership and the best leaders I know in my life were never the ones who had the title. Oh, what do you mean by that? So the ones who were the manager or the ones who were the captain, the ones who were anything like that, they were never the best leaders in my life. They were right. never the ones that um, actually showed true leadership. They may have got themselves into those positions by taking ownership and working really hard, yes, but they didn't start in those positions. That's kind of, it's like a byproduct eventually getting there. But yeah, the title does not mean you have leadership. Just because you're an employee doesn't mean you can't show extreme ownership and leadership and responsibility in all these things. I think there's a difference between managing people and leading people, right? So um, with extreme ownership, it... You can use it in your professional life and also your personal life. Like in your personal life, it allows you to to take control of your life. Yeah. Versus if you're like a victim, um, like you have that mentality and everything uh, is not your fault. People are doing things that make your life hard and miserable. You're just disempowering yourself and you're losing control. Like you're not aware that you're losing control. This is so relevant to right now, you know, going through COVID and all of that. You can see all of the bloody victims out there. Yeah. You know, victim mentality. They're weak, weak people. And it's a tough time and all of that. 
you know, and people are going through, you know, it's generalizing here, um, but you can see it. Yeah. There are, like, one thing we would never do is, like, ignore the fact that there are tough times. Dude, some shit sucks. Good. It's really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> but it gives you the opportunity to show extreme ownership. Yeah. Good. Good. And we'll touch in on it's emotionless, right? There's two ways to interpret that word. You can say, yeah, he's using no emotion, so he's taking his emotions out of it, which is one thing. But it's actually being very emotional because you're thinking about how it will hurt your emotions in the long term. If you take extreme ownership, it won't hurt your emotions. If you're, you know, if you just go about it and just have the victim, it will hurt your emotions. Yeah, you know that little, if anyone ever fucked up or made a mistake and they got that little guilty feeling, like, it's that little niggle at the back of their brain. You know that little one? Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Have you ever had those experiences for yourself? Like where you had that guilty feeling inside you? Oh. oh, like when you don't do something and you feel like guilty about it. I had so many. Like, I still have it. Like, if I don't do anything that I write down on my whiteboard, yeah. If I don't do that, then I'm like, fuck. Like if, if, <laughs> I, like, if I miss like one day of dates, I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I let the boys down, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we start talking about how to actually identify if you have a victim mentality. So then yeah. we can yeah. start to talk about later how to I actually that. wanted to touch on that a bit. Yeah. Use my own personal experience. Mm. So I used to be very, um, I used to be stuck. I feel like I was stuck in a bit of a victim mentality. Like always like, it, I feel like that came from like, um, I was just helpless. Like, and it, it, it they talk about this in, in the book, Essentialism. Like I felt like I was helpless. I was letting people dictate my life. Yeah, I didn't take ownership of anything in my own life. Everything in my life was being dictated. Everyone was t- telling me what to do, do this, do that. And I was like, oh, and I was in this victim mentality, like constant loop. I was just like, oh, you know what? You know, I can't, I, I was like helpless. And then, um, yeah. And then once I learned about extreme ownership, which is, I'm still like, it's still something I'm like doing in my life right now. I'm still like, you know, trying to take extreme ownership of everything in my life right now. And um, yeah, I, I, I felt like, with the victim mentality thing, like one thing that I was struggling to do was take, uh, like prioritize the things in my life. Prioritize. So he talks about that in essentialism. Um, like Greg McCowan talks about like prioritize, uh, things in your life. Otherwise other people will prioritize for you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the quote is, well, the thing he says is, make decisions for yourself or someone else will make decisions for you. Yeah. yeah. But like where, how did you identify like you were being a victim? Um, and what are the examples of like the things? Like what, what priorities were you not focusing on? Yeah, just everything in my life. Like literally everything in my life, I, w- I would blame it on other people. So like when it came to studies or, you know, when it came to work, um, like Nando's for example, I'll go to work and I'll be like, oh, it's not my fault. It's mm. fucking the other person's fault. Or I'll go to school and I'll be like, oh, it's not my fault. It's my, my parents' <laughs> fault for, you know, not yeah, doing yeah. this. And they probably, they probably did have some fault, but like in the end, it's my fault. <laughs> like I'm not the one who's studying right now. <laughs> did you catch yourself one day? You were just like, what am I doing? I think, I think, yeah, I think it came in like strong when I read Extreme Ownership. 
by Jocko right. Willink. Right. Yeah. Mm. I so think it came it in makes strong you then. Confront yourself. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely yeah, for sure. It came in really strong then, around that time, and I, I think that time I was just having a lot of arguments with my family, like yep. my siblings and my parents, and being like, "Oh, you did this to me." <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, <laughs> you know, it's like I realized like it's my fault. It's my life, and even Johnny Boy talks about this in his life, and he definitely had it way harder than I did, way harder than I did. But, you know, it's something that everyone, I, I think, has to take on eventually to move up in life. So for you, you had that moment where you just thought about what you were doing and you also yeah. read the book. That was yeah. your trigger, right? Yeah, the book, yeah, Extreme Ownership definitely was my trigger. Like, we all got that recommendation from you. Like, how did you stumble upon that book? How did I stumble upon oh. I can't even remember, man. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It must have been. I think it was probably Tim Ferriss. Oh, okay. Because Fer- oh, he no, talks it was, about him no, in it tools. It was Joe Rogan again. Joe Rogan again. Joe Rogan again. Joe Rogan's a king. That's Joe Rogan, Josh. No, but like, uh, did you feel like you had those qualities in you or you were aware of, uh, mm. as a manager of Nando's, yeah. like you would have felt something, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I knew this concept before the yeah. book. Like I didn't have the term for it, extreme yeah. ownership, but I knew that, Hey, if I told the, the people that I, I know I said it in staff meetings before, I'm like, Hey, if I know it's not your fault, but if everybody says it's not my fault, then it just turns into a massive problem for everybody. So if the, someone messes up the morning shift and if the lunchtime shift comes in and they're like, Oh, it's not my fault. They stuff me up. Now the lunch shift is stuffed up for the dinner shift, you know? So it needs that person to come in at lunch and be like, hey, man, that wasn't, maybe something happens. I like to switch my mindset to start to say, you know, maybe the person who ha- was running the morning shift, something really terrible happened in their life that's holding them back from reaching their potential today. And they didn't have the ability to rock up to game day today. So you know what? I'm going to help them because I love them. Mm, you know, I'm going to do double the amount of work and I'm going to set, you know, I'm not going to even talk. I'm not going to bitch about, oh, you know, bloody Olivia or whatever messed up the morning shift. That's not adding no value to the world. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to care about these people and I'm going to love them. I'm going to do the best I can, communicate the best I can and really take action. And then, you know, t- by the time six o'clock shift co- comes around, like I remember what, every time my six o'clock sh- shift ended, I'm like, boys, you got no work to do, boys. She's all done, boys. She's all done. I'm glad we, we we used to literally clean the whole entire shop before six o'clock. Between three and four p.m., no customers. We'll clean the whole shop like it's the end of the day, and we'll glad wrap every inch. We glad wrapped every inch of the store. So the boy, <laughs> dude, they used to just come in and not be able to make a mess. Yeah. Like not actually possible to make a mess because you glad wrap it that well. Yeah. So then you'll be working. You don't need to clean up anything. You just unwrap. Motherfucker. So, like, at the end of the day, it would look like a forensic scene. But <laughs> <laughs> like you can't get yeah. it dirty at all. Yeah. You just literally, like, at 10, 9.30, 10 o'clock when we're wrapping up, you just pick up the glad wrap, put it in the bin. Have a good night, boys. Yeah. <laughs> if you imagine this, right, every other store, their standards were that they finish closing. So, the store closes, no more customers after 10. 11 o'clock, they have to be out the door. That's the standard. So, it's one hour. What we did is we said our standard is 10.05. We got five minutes. As soon as the last customer goes, five minutes, you're out the door. 
right? Now think about that. It's practically saving an hour of labor cost. Multiply that by six people. That's like $120 of labor that you added to the bottom line every day for that business. Monstrous. There's There are days where we left, like there's a lot of days actually, we left at 10.01. Yeah. It's doable. Everybody says it's not doable. No one believed that it was possible. So like as a leader, um, like you were appointed, your title was manager, but then you were the leader, yeah. right? And like I heard, I wasn't even working with you guys at Nando's, but I knew you like- You know all the stories. I know bro. the stories, right? Yeah. Because you were such a good <laughs> leader and you built that culture. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a long journey, man. Like it was at the beginning, like it, it took me a whole year to learn this shit, to gain the respect of people. It was so many of these little things and like, we need to sell it to the audience that, hey, extreme ownership, it's, it's like a major pillar of our life. It's, it's, it's major and it's so super important. It's, it's everything that we do, it comes from extreme ownership. But it, it, at the end of the day, it's one of many things. You know, you can't just say, hey, we're going to have extreme ownership and the rest of my life's going to be easy. There's going to be more podcasts down the line, which we're going to talk about, you know. But it, even for me, it, it took a whole year of trial and error research to learn how to do that. One thing it's I respected really about um, how you guys did that is like, despite how... He, he let's not say how he. Is it like, uh, you, you helped as well, him. Doc. I know I you helped as well. I saw you. <laughs> no, but one thing I respected was that even despite how treat, people will treat you, like I know staff would come in and be like, oh, you know, fuck this day, fuck this. Yeah. Yeah. Despite how people would treat you, you still rocked up and you still did the same thing every day. No one knew what was going on in my personal life. Every single day I rocked up holding back tears. Because I was working so hard and I was getting hurt mentally as well. So physically, my body was in pain. I was working so many hours that my bones would ache. I remember some Friday nights, I was working so many hours that I just wished I could just say to everybody, I'm going. But every single day, I'd rock up to a shift early, one hour. I'd leave one hour late to every single shift. And, you know, like people still would... You know, I could I could hear them talk behind my back and at times. It was very painful, but every day I just knew, if, hey, if I be the man and I show up, eventually I will win. And that's what happened. And uh, I think the important thing to like really grasp from that is you, you're doing it not to prove, you're doing it for yourself. Like You're in the position now because you had that mentality back then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you, you took complete ownership of a situation and you did it for the right reasons. You did it for yourself. And you can't get angry at Same those point. people. Like, it's actually so sad. Exactly. That is something we've come across. Where are they now? They might be listening to this and they need to look at themselves in the mirror and realize they're not living their life right. They were just gossiping and all that shit. They're stuck there. And it's sad. There's people in their 40s and 50s stuck there. You know? And they think they're fucking, they're the top shit because they're the top of this little tiny game down here. Nothing wrong about the game. It, you have to start there. Everybody starts from the bottom. But they think, oh, I've got all this status. Look at me. I'm the fucking manager now. Yeah. Dude, I'm the coolest suck. person in Nando's. <laughs> think about that. Uh, I'm the coolest person in Nando's. Yeah, I know. They brainwash themselves. They, they're not you know, rational. If you're happy with just being the manager there, then you don't get the fucking game. If you understand. If you understand, yeah. boys. So, like, as a leader, you would have seen, like, a lot of victim mentality, like, within your team, right? Yeah. Like, how would you have, like, diffused it? Would you, like, talk to them in person, like, one-on-one? 
Or would you get them together and talk to them? Like, oh, a bit of do? everything, man. A bit of everything. Just, yeah, it's, it's all communication. It's just education. Showing why it's important. Just explaining why. Because I feel like a lot of leaders, they, they actually think that everybody has the same knowledge as them. And they can see with the same eyes as them. But they can't. And then, so when you do that, do people fight back? Like, obviously, first instinct would be to fight oh, yeah. back. A lot of people fight back. So then how do you, do you still keep explaining, like, further? Yeah, it's just it's repetitions, different points of view, different angles. Man, one of the best things I think you did um, back then, obviously, obviously, only past tense, I can say this is amazing, but yeah, it was leading by example. Mm. That's when a nice sp- one. When he speaks about coming in an hour before and leaving an hour after, it's not a joke. It's not happened now and then. It's every fucking time, every time he was there. You want to see him on shift. It's not even a competition. He's always even if I started learning and getting better, it's not a it's not a competition. There used to be a guy, no joke, who we thought was the god. It's not even a competition against him. It's like hourly output. Like how much are you actually doing per hour in front of everybody? There, I would make sure that there's never a minute that someone else could see of me that they outperform me in that minute. It's not possible. It didn't exist. So, like going back to how you identified either like a victim mentality or extreme ownership. Like you, you had the qualities of extreme ownership without mm. even knowing it. But was there ever a moment where you realized, oh, this is extreme ownership? Or did that come after reading the book? Yeah, it came from after reading the book and listening to it, the podcast and stuff. But it just made normal sense to me. Yeah. Like it just it was just... Was that like your default? Like you were always like, oh, I'm just going to take responsibility of my actions. Like from yeah, the not, start. Not always. It was only until I became a manager. Then I could start to see all the problems like right. forming and like, oh fuck, that's how this, all of these little things add up to that at the end of the day. Damn, man, we've got to fix this shit. God damn. <laughs> so like maybe like if you're not at the leadership role, you yeah, kind of don't understand see. what the leader goes through. Oh, so maybe tough, when you, yeah. when you get into that role or you see some of those responsibilities, then you kind of start getting a bigger picture yeah. and realizing, oh shit. Well, you can't see. Maybe I am the, the problem. Yeah, you don't know the numbers. You don't know the little things. Yeah. Like it's it's incredibly difficult, like, to be able to actually see the entire picture. But if you're an employee out there, just because you're not the manager doesn't mean you can't go ask them. Like, hey, let me in, man. Show yeah. me some stuff. And a yeah. lot of people there. Are, there are also going to be people out there, unfortunately, that just are feared because uh, they fear of you taking their job and stuff like that. So then they may have some, you know, angst against you. But just you know, outwork, outwork them. You know, people, you will win. It's very, very simple. You will outwork them and you will eventually because someone will recognize the fact and you can't lose. That's a good point. Like to just touch on it again, that usually if your manager is intelligent, they are and they're humble and they have no ego. They are actually waiting for someone to say to them, hey, I want to level up. Yeah. What do I need to do to level up? And that's, if you're a part of this audience and you want to be like part of our community hardcore head start, you have to do that. You know, like the manager role, the pay was like a dollar an hour extra. It's not worth it. You know, it doesn't make sense, but it, but it is worth it because the amount of uh, knowledge that we get, yeah. you know, the skills that we acquire from doing that role, you have to do it, man. It's so important. This perspective I was able to, I only did it for a short time and I was terrible at it, but the perspective i was able to gauge was what we're talking about right now it really opened the eyes of like oh sheesh boys i've been uh 
not looking at the, this whole picture correctly, mm. not understanding everything. Yeah. So I guess like with coming back to how to identify it, I think maybe you just start reflecting on your life and your past actions or like yeah. any interactions that you've had with people mm. and realize, uh, look at it from a third person. Like what happened? What, what did I do? Yeah. That could have led to a certain outcome. And like what, what could they have been going through? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you were like young. Like don't, yeah. don't make excuses. Just yeah. say like what could I have done? And the thing is, it's always easy in hindsight, right? Like in the moment, it's harder to control your emotions in the yeah. moment. But in hindsight, you just like learn what you did in the past so that you don't do it in the future. Yeah. yeah. I, I think another thing is like in the moment, if um if you are faced with a problem, like instead of being like, oh, I can't do anything about it, just ask yourself, how can I do? How can I fix this problem? Mm. Like what can I do about the situation right now? Be a little optimistic and just try to figure it out. Yeah. So in G, in G's example of his personal life when he was using before, like one of the things that um, you would recognize is he was making excuses. Yeah. Right. That's a major sign of him not of victim mentality. You know, and mm. you see a lot of people when something bad happens to them, they feel sorry for themselves. That's a massive sign of victim mentality. Right. I think another thing I did was um, like I was I always used to look for sympathy, like I always used to ask for sympathy. So yeah. I would, all, I think that's a lot of a lot of victims do that. Mm-hmm. Don't ask for sympathy. Don't explain yourself. Just fucking do what you got to do. You didn't do anything to deserve. Yeah, sympathy in the it's first not place. Warranted. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to explain your problems to people. Just mm. fucking do what you got to do. Fix your problems. It sounds like you were actually feeling like somewhat depressed like of a br- depressed state of mind i think so i was yeah. thinking, I just, yeah. you know, it's like this it's very recognizable like the traits and like taking that extreme ownership like if we were to give people like context why it's important and why it's important to identify when you're being a victim or acting like a victim um like our journey like if we were to define what our journey is it's all um we're on this journey of financial freedom, but also to develop as human beings, right? To become I've, the best version yeah. of ourselves as, as human beings. I've actually put a sentence to this. That's Go right. ahead. All right. Go so ahead. The journey itself is defined as personal development and does not mean you're going to become entrepreneur of the year, business person of the year, financial freedom, wisdom, guru, et cetera, et cetera. It simply means you are trying to become the best version of yourself all the time and forever. Yeah. That's what the journey is. Yeah. And the way... Uh, extreme ownership fits into that is it's a tool that allows you to get better it allows you to continue on that journey yeah i love Um, the word tool there man yeah it is a tool at the end of the day it's it's a uh, principles it's what we do principles yeah it's what we do we have the toolbox now yeah and slowly we've been accumulating a spanner a hammer (laughs) every little tool you know we've been accumulating things we've got the toolbox now yeah sweat and (laughs) tears and pain we got this we got the goddamn toolbox and, and like the, the importance of that toolbox analogy is like when we first started um on this journey now of fin- like whatever we're doing financial freedom getting better um we didn't start off by learning about finance <laughs> we learned mm, about character. ourselves first yeah. you know we learned about ourselves our emotions our mindset where we are at our current state where we need to be in order to start learning about finance yeah because once you build that platform then finance becomes easy as fuck oh yeah 
you have to create the person who is financially free before you can become financially yeah. free. Yeah, and extreme ownership is that tool that will get you there. So just, It'll get you there faster. Yeah. Just to actually explain what we're talking about to the audience, if they haven't gathered yet, this is actually what we're doing. We have personally in our own lives, in our own little bubble, gone through all of these life lessons and we have this structure. We are trying to deliver like a free course in podcast format for the audience to help scale out what we have learned. And that's why it's by design that everything we've spoken about so far in all of these podcasts is about character development. Yeah. I'll go ahead start is a lifestyle. It's the way we live life and how we got to here is how we're going to present the information to you guys, which is awesome. Yeah. And just touching on the journey again, I just like to visualize it for the audience, how we see the world. We're not saying it's hundred percent correct, but we think it's a, you want to progress. The end goal is to, you know, be the best human, you know, do as much good as you can in this life. And the journey is about uh, like the way we see it is you want to progress in all areas of life, but it's a balance. And the balance doesn't mean you go 50, 50, 50 on everything. The balance means for us personally, it's an 80, 20 balance. It's 20% into this books and all of that at the beginning we go, we talk about money and investing and all of that a lot. Why at the beginning? Because based on compound investing, if you can get your money in the game, start compounding, you start getting $100,000. If you've got $100,000 invested of pure assets, that will start to generate 20% returns for you. 20% is $20,000 coming in every single year by doing absolutely nothing. In Australia, that means if you're you know living a, below your means and all of that and not going wild, that can cover your whole year's expenses. Now, when you do that and get that $100,000 of assets, you gain back all of your time really quickly. We've all done it in this room. You know, Chris is, what are you, 24? You just turned 23. 23. 23. Doc just turned 24, right? Yeah. And me and Sam are slightly older, um, but we're all before the age of 30. Now, what do we have? We have so much more time, so much more headspace to go even harder on the knowledge. And then we get exponential knowledge gains on the, like the tail end of that. And then it's like kind of flipped. So it's money first, 80% money, 20% knowledge. Then we got the money. Then it's flipped the other way. 20% money, 80% knowledge. Let's not sugarcoat it. Money is the most important thing at the start of the journey. For sure. Yeah. Money will get you the time, right? If all, time, the, all the rappers are right. Get the money. <laughs> dude, if time is the greatest commodity, the most important asset ever, you need to think, how am I going to get more time? Yeah. yeah. The world spins, whether it's right or wrong, with money. It's how the world uses it. <laughs> so. And the thing is like, okay, let's say you're working. You don't necessarily need to quit your job if you're enjoying it, but it'll give you choice. Like in this life, you want to have as many choices as you possibly can mm -hmm. because you're, you, you are entitled to it. If you work for it, you are entitled to it, right? Yeah. The matter of the fact is that if you are in a position where you're doing a job that you love, like you really, really, really love it, then you're not actually thinking about money at all because you're actually doing what you would already do regardless of the money. We're talking to the people who really, you know, A, hate what they're doing or align to themselves and tell them that they like what they're doing, which is a major category. Yeah. 
things. Like, for example, for me, um, like we all had this three to five year plan of uh, focusing on the money first and leaving the job so we can focus on knowledge and hardcore head start building our platform, right? For me, uh, personally, I hate working a nine to five. I don't see myself in that format or in that standard. So every single day when I was going to work, it was literal hell for me. For me, it was, right? I didn't act like a victim because I knew this was the plan. I was just executing the plan. I didn't get emotional, all right? I didn't get attached to my role because I knew this was temporary. And it was tempting because you have a constant paycheck coming in, which is addictive. Now you can live, uh, I was actually earning quite a bit of money. Now you can live a more comfortable life, but you can easily stray away from your uh, main goal, right? So you stay focused, have a plan, take ownership, don't be the victim because every fucking day sucked, man. <laughs> every day sucked for me. Give a man a constant paycheck and well, let's just say, give a man a constant, pay, constant paycheck and he'll forget about his dreams. Yeah. Like every day sucked. And I don't know for you guys, it's the same as well. Dude, I used to get, I used to get literal anxiety. Yeah. Like when I woke up at 5 a.m. every single morning, I'm like, fuck. I got to sit in traffic for an hour, go to work. Stay, stay there for 12 hours, come back home, and then I still got to fucking work on my, on my shit. I want to work on my shit, but I've got to do this first. Yeah. Like, don't be a victim, guys. Like, empower yourself. <laughs> that's fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Your story's good when it comes to that. So like, every, all of it, obviously. But that specific part, like, you're earning, dude, you're earning what people dream of earning. I was earning, like, almost six figures. I quit that. That's because a massive number for a lot of people. They're like, dude, I wish I could just earn six figures. Like, that's the dream. Yeah. That was your dream back in the day. It was less than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my dream back in the day was I want to get an aerospace degree, work at a company and make 80 grand a year, and then just live a standard life. Like, get a house, get wife, get kids, all that shit. That was my, that was my big plan. And I was lying to myself because I was allowing external factors to dictate that. I didn't take ownership of that until I did. And I fucking flipped at 180 and was like, nah. I don't want this shit because it wasn't making me happy. Like if, if you're like, if you truly think about it, like that stuff didn't yeah. make me happy, hmm. but I had like all this pressure for my parents and like coming from an Indian background, like that is the standard. It's a cookie cutter approach to life, man. There's a lot of, um, I might just, if that's all right, I just want to read out these specific things yeah. that we actually have there. Yes. Yeah. We've touched on a few of them. I feel like we're bouncing in, a little bit. Oh, we've touched on a lot of them. But um, I don't want them for the people to be read between the lines and see the principle. Yeah. We're like, here's the things. Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've written up here uh, a few of the ways to identify victim mentality, right? Always blaming others. Uh, they use that basic line that we've all heard a hundred times. Uh, they say, oh, this is not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little elbow boys, right? <laughs> victims take things personally and say what did i do to deserve this yeah right <laughs> everybody's saying that right now <laughs> everyone's saying it talks face is just like fucking disgusting oh, I, I, this is so relevant to covid oh right? man <laughs> I, I get it, man. COVID sucks. There's a lot of problems going on. You, but now, for the first time in a lot of people's lives, you have more time than ever before. Yeah. 
do some shit. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> do it. Oh, it frustrates me because I know what's going to happen. When this thing eventually, uh, whatever, we decide it's the flu and it's, we're going to go on and live with it anyway, right? Or, yeah, we go back to some form of normality. People are going to go straight back into that victim mentality of like, oh, I don't have time anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You've just had two years, man. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Come no, on. But that, that's the thing like we were talking about with the knowledge stuff, right? Like if you have the knowledge and you've got time now, you can execute on that because you've got the time. Mm. Like for our, for us, like our situation, we fucking love COVID because it, it made us like a lot better. We had to grow. Yeah. Like we, we grew a lot. Our finances got better too. Yeah. Like it's just been good for us. Like we're not complaining, but a lot of people are complaining because they don't have the knowledge. They don't have, they don't have the foundation. Mm. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that started our journey or started us going really serious is we had a time-based opportunity in crypto, right? Yeah. We had to work our asses off, right? People out there, I'm telling you right now, this COVID is a time-based opportunity. You have a certain period right here. It's going to end where you have to go back to your normal stuff. You have a time-based opportunity to go hard as fuck and learn as much as possible. Change your damn life. Yeah, take ownership of the time you have now. Because it's literally like free time. It's like world just froze in time. Exactly. Dude, this has never happened before. Yeah. Dude, I know people my age that like this this lockdown can, is actually kind of beneficial because like you don't have to go out with your friends. You can you just use that time money? to save money. You <laughs> yeah. can use that time to save money. You, you, if you're going to work still, you can use that time to save money. Especially But Australia. then people are still spending their money on like clothing and fucking, you know, like dumb shit. You're spending your <laughs> stimulus check on money, on, uh, on clothing. On clothing. <laughs> stimulus check. So American, man. <laughs> <laughs> what's, it called? what's it called here? Doc's actually American. He's an illegal American. alien here. <laughs> <laughs> Doc just consumes that much American Show me your content. Papers, Doc. <laughs> when was the last time you listened to something Australian? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. There's no good Australian. Content. Yeah. Um, all right. The other ones here we've got uh, making spe- excuses that we spoke about, feeling sorry for themselves. People usually avoid taking risks in life and make decisions based mm. on fear. Mm. I got something to say about that one. Fantastic. Get right. It. So, um, and I think G can relate to this too, but my, you know, coming from an immigrant family, um, they approach every decision they make with fear, um, which is ironic because you literally left your home and came to a different country, <laughs> which is far more riskier <laughs> than like investing or something. Right. Yeah. Um, so like like i i wouldn't change my childhood at all like it was perfect not it wasn't perfect as in like it was perfect for how i am now right but like my family has terrible investing decisions because they approach it with fear and risk and that rubbed off on me at an early age of not taking risks and acting like a victim or like oh the world is a bad place and i can't change and like that's a big problem in India because um, it's based on a caste system. So I was recently watching this movie called Gully Boy, which is a, a Bollywood movie. And um, a gully means street. So it basically means street boy. And it's about this kid who grew up in the slums in India that wants to be a rapper. All right? And he actually has a gift for it. 
but he comes from a very low caste society, like servant class. And his dad does not like taking risks. And for generations, like they've always been servants. So they want to keep that status quo. And he always influences his son. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you making these YouTube videos? Why are you trying to rap and put it on, on YouTube? It's making us look bad, right? So then there's a really good quote in that movie where the dad was like, shape your, uh, shape your dreams around your reality. And then the, the kid was like, I would rather shape my reality around my dreams. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. That needs to be written on the fridge. Yeah. Oof. And I was just like, fuck. I relate to that shit. Let's go. Yeah. That's some good shit. That was a good movie. Yeah, that is a good oh, movie. Oh, you seen it as well? Right. Yeah, it's a fucking good movie. It's a good movie. When did it come out? It's been a couple recent. years. Recent. A couple it's years. Somewhat recent. Um, but like coming back to like risks and shit, like I was for the longest time just trying to get my parents invested. Like they've done well for themselves. They're really good savers. Own land, their own assets, but they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like they haven't, they're not, they're in their fifties, but they're not millionaires. Like you should be a millionaire by the age of 50. Oh, you've done something wrong. Yeah. Multi. Right. And they approach every decision with fear uh, and they act like victims instead of taking that ownership and and leveling up themselves. Yeah. Where does this fear actually come from? It's actually a lack of knowledge. Yeah. Because we're saying people avoid taking risks. They don't understand what risk actually is and how to go about risk. When we take risk, it's actually not a risk. Why? Because it's about position sizing. We would only allocate like on average 1% of our capital to a certain opportunity. So now if that opportunity doesn't go in our favor, we don't lose our money. It's only 1%. Mm. You know, so we never bet the whole farm. Everybody else is like, oh man, I can't take this risk because I'm going to lose everything. Yeah, that's actually logical. You shouldn't bet the whole farm. That's actually a tremendous risk, you know, that can lead to financial ruin. Never, ever do that. So, like, if you're scared of taking risks, have you actually went on Google and typed in, how can I take risks? Like, how do I go about taking risks? And studied risk itself, Yeah. you know, and then you'll start following people like Nassim Taleb. He talks about risk and you find all these traders and all this stuff. And they teach you actually how to take risk properly. Nice, nice. The other thing is, like, my parents, they really believe in the traditional schooling system. So like anything they would read online, they wouldn't take it as seriously as like you wow. taking a course and yeah. getting a certificate. They see that as more valuable than actually studying it online themselves. Mm. So that was like another reason why they just lack so much knowledge. And I think, um, well, in my Indian community, like I think people were more like um, just trusting of what other people around them say. Mm. Like, is the other person around you like a millionaire? No. Why are you listening to them? <laughs> like, even like my parents were trying to give me, I love my parents, but they were trying to give me financial advice, right? I'm like, <laughs> but you're not a millionaire. <laughs> like, you haven't done it yourself. How are you giving me financial advice yeah. on yeah. how to get rich? That, that principle there was actually the biggest, like one of the biggest things that drew me to someone different. Yeah. Someone better, specifically like Dylan. It was like the lifestyle my family had was not the lifestyle I wanted for me. Mm. I wanted something much larger, much bigger. I wanted yeah. m- as m- many good things for myself as possible. It's purely selfish. I get it. But guess what? It's what I wanted. Mm. Right? I want all the good things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So would you guys but, say like um, on that point, like would you guys say 
to have extreme ownership of your personal life, you obviously have to be selfish in the beginning. Define selfish. Like f- focus very heavily on your problems. I wouldn't call that selfish though. I would just call that taking care of yourself. I wouldn't yeah. call that selfish. No, because Jordan Peterson talks about that actually. Like you got to take care of yourself Yeah. because if you don't take care of yourself, then the obvious. people around you will suffer. If you think about it, it's not being selfish because you're taking care of yourself yeah. and making other people around you better. Exactly what yeah. I said, yeah. Yeah, and like, what what is our what's our actual journey with hardcore head start? Our actual journey and our actual goal is is a an order to it. It's hey, we want to focus predominantly on money, a little bit of knowledge. When we flip it, we go all in on knowledge, a little bit of money because money's sorted. Then we have everything that we wanted as a child. You know, we can have it all now or as an adult. We any, Anything that we dreamed of, we got it. Because it's actually really easy. Anything that you want to buy, it doesn't actually cost that much money. Mm. You know, like the most expensive stuff you can think about is actually really cheap. If you have a million dollars of assets generating $200,000 per year for you every year, You're five years of that, yeah. like you've bought everything you ever need. Like how much does a computer cost? You can get a $20,000 rig. 20 grand is actually really small. And like all these people right now are going to like, oh, what about a yacht and shit like that? You're not going to use the yacht. (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to use it. Rent it for a week. The only reason you see Jeff Bezos buying a yacht and shit like that is probably tax deductions. Yeah. Yeah. And because this dude simply has no other fucking thing to do with it. I mean, he's done. Dude's (laughs) worth like 200 billion, right? And he just like, he can easily live on 1 billion a year. Yeah. And that's such a small portion of his total net worth. Yeah. that he can afford that like you you got to yeah. put yourself in that same situation like put your finances in proportion can you afford yeah. it like one thing boring, i guarantee you i guarantee you will get bored of that immediately oh for sure yeah you get over it and the other thing is it's his assets are probably paying it off <laughs> his business is paying it off yeah, and then like doc said it's a tax deduction as well so <laughs> somehow it's it's yeah it's all people always talk about like oh i want all those massive things you don't understand but then they'll argue to themselves saying, but I like my job. I want the billion dollar yacht, but I like my job. I'm not quitting you my don't job. Like not, job. I don't like your job. I don't want to change. You so what do you want? Ownership of that, boys. <laughs> what do you want? That's what people are so confused. Like you must, if, you, if you've had that conversation, if you think in your head right now, oh, I want a billion dollar yacht, I want to live on a yacht, and you're also terrified to leave your job, it's the most conflicting stories. Like, but you know why like, fucking Jeff Bezos like, deserves that yacht? Think about like all the people that he's made rich, right? And like it was literally the advent of the internet. It started to take off. Decides to quit his six-figure job on Wall Street. Convinces his parents to put 250K into Amazon as seed money, right? Which is a huge risk because you don't know if it's going to work or not. And then went through the 2000 uh, internet bubble where uh, all stocks like on the internet lost like 90% of their value. And he kept going. Convinces mm. his partner as well to move to a different state. Yeah. For a lot of people in their life right now, that's a terrifying decision to move where an opportunity is. And why, explain to the audience, why is it a noble pursuit to make someone rich? Because you're saving them time. You're giving them time. You're giving them, like, let's say they have some sort of like health condition. You're giving them um, an opportunity to, you know, fix themselves, make themselves healthier. Spend time with their loved ones. Spend time with their loved ones. Focus Spend on time doing whatever you want that makes you happy. It's like a, a lot of things. Like people demonize money, but 
money used for good yeah. is the is the way to live. I would argue find a lot of meaning as well. You can use that money to help a lot of people in this world. That's our goal, right? That's our long term goal. Right now, dollars, boys. Billion dollars, which seems small, smaller and smaller over time. Adjusted for inflation, of course. <laughs> when you have a lot of, when you have an abundance of money, and you have an abundance of time, then you realize it's not all about the money. And it's not all about yourself. Yeah. And then you realize how fortunate you are, and then you realize how much you need to help everybody around you. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. And that's where our mindset is literally at right now. Like that's how we think. Oh, but the money, you don't have that much money. Yeah, I guarantee. Listen, she's, it's going to catch up. You're 24, it will, dude. It will get there. <laughs> I mean, like, 24. all of us, all of us, it will get there. The money, like, we're on a marathon, like yeah. we talk about. The money will get there. It's no longer a concern. Yeah. It's math. Have right? you heard of Peter Thiel? <laughs> <laughs> so the last one there is, uh, oh, they got a few more. We got lack of self-awareness. I think that's what we were talking about. Like, yeah. Like w when you have that time, you can become more self-aware because now you're thinking more. Yes, I think that's what people lack. People lack uh, self-reflection because they're always on the go. Mm -hmm. So once you free up people. time, you get self-reflection and then you realize, oh shit, I'm actually a shitty person. The three of us will know this and gee, I know this is coming for you, bro. At the minute you leave your job, you, got all, you get all that time back. You start doing the real self-awareness stuff. <laughs> oh she <laughs> but one thing happens your jaw just drops <laughs> do it and she do just it. Get, wait hold on four on three one two three <laughs> your jaw just drops man you realize you got so many problems oh, that you've God. never seen before you didn't think they were a problem you're like boys there's nothing wrong with me I'm perfect you leave your job you got all this time you're like <laughs> Dude, you look like the guy from Frankston Station. <laughs> <laughs> Every guy from Frankston Station. Just Every white guy from Frankston Station. <laughs> yeah, they're actually... The complete opposite of what we're doing. Yeah, their jaw's not dropping. Like, their jaw's just dropping because they're... Yeah. Because it's on the other <laughs> Anyway. That, the lack of self-awareness is always so, also when we're talking about like, oh my God, I want a yacht, but I don't want to leave my job. And, and do you actually want a yacht? They're not, they're not even that cool, man. <laughs> I want a Go Ferrari. and rent a yacht for one hour. Oh, it's like when they want a Lamborghini. Yeah. Dude, don't spend 300 grand on a Lamborghini. Just like try it out for a day. Dude, See yeah. if you like it. You get a bad back, man. Yeah. If, you're, if you're six foot, like you can't fit in them. <laughs> Dude, even the old guy had the one with the real load of the missing. Uh, Dude, for me, getting out in and out of that car was some bullshit, man. <laughs> I don't need some shit that's on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but that's like extreme examples. People will go to like fucking Cranbourne and be like, oh, I want the nicest house in Cranbourne. Why the fuck do you want the nicest house in Cranbourne, bro? <laughs> go to a better suburb. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like, we can't just make fun of them for that. We've got to actually yeah. open up their mindset and be like, this is just a small pocket of the world. Think yeah. a little bit bigger. You know, like this is what you can achieve. And a lot of people don't believe they can achieve it. That's the problem. Lack of knowledge again. And that comes to lack of knowledge and also victim mentality. So if you're like, if you do extreme ownership, why not? Why can't you own it? Why can't you have it? This is actually, I didn't see that until just now. This is the one I used to do all the time. I remember this shit. They need to justify, they need what, to justify what they're saying. I'll say some bullshit and then try and like justify it with the most ridiculous example of all time. And what would 
be an example of Good that. Good luck. Not, not going to be able to tell you. But <laughs> I know for a fact that I used to, like, with, you know, a lot of it was ego. I was like, try to prove a point by justifying it with something silly. And then it just simply doesn't make sense because I'm lying to myself, which is not self-aware. I'm not taking ownership of the fact that I don't actually know the information, know the knowledge. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess, um, kind of like a portion of the podcast. Obviously, we want to identify how yeah. to find victim mentality. I guess that's kind of where we're at with that. So if we were to summarize it, boys, like identify uh, victim mentality, identify extreme ownership, like what would you guys say like to summarize an hour's worth of talking um to be honest i think jordan peterson helped me a lot with that so i used to watch a ton of his videos read yeah. his book um something he would say is like stand up straight and like face the dragon face your problems like whatever the issue you have in your life face it um obviously ask yourself how can i fix it and yeah take extreme ownership do you guys have anything else? Um, yeah, I mean, just to summarize, identifying specifically, we're going to get into the problems uh, or how to actually go about fixing that. Um, to Yeah, just to summarize, I guess, be as self-aware as possible, question everything. Um, if something bad happens in your life, realize the fact that take you need to take responsibility for it to get through that bad thing. And I reckon, yeah, just be aware of your environment and your upbringing, like Samir was saying before. Your parents probably have, you know, victim mentality, or they definitely don't have odds are, unless your dad's Jocko. <laughs> <laughs> your dad's you know, probably not extreme. He doesn't follow extreme ownership. He might follow a bit of ownership, you know, if he's a real man. But, you know, you just got to be aware of your upbringing. We have a bias towards saying our dad's the best, you know, mm. you know especially as a man. That's what, that's what we always say. Nice, boys. Um, so leading on to that, I guess we can talk about uh, the next part, which is to, like a, I guess, tools to overcome those problems and like how to handle those problems and to take ownership. Like how would you actually implement extreme ownership? Um, so in, in Jocko's book, he actually talk, he actually has this really uh, nice procedure. It's a three-step procedure. First step is to um, identify the problem um, without any bias, right? Second step is to check your ego and to own it. Third step is to uh, prioritize and implement a solution and execute it. So you do those things of every single problem that you come across, that's extreme ownership. That's how you implement it. So like you could actually literally just write it down. Like if you have a problem, what is the problem? Literally like be very formal about it. So you take your emotions out of it and then you just break it down. Try to find a solution. Yeah. Check your ego. I think ego is the thing that we got to talk about because that's a big one. You can get get into ego now then if you want. (laughs) Because like we talked about identifying the problem like with our own lives and shit, right? Ego is a big fucker. That... Ego is a good thing and a bad thing because good thing, like it'll push you to, to achieve excellence. Yeah. Bad thing is that, you know, you can bring your own agenda to like a certain thing and I mean, I, I mess guess up you, a whole culture. I guess like one way of putting it is you got to drop your ego, your current ego, and then learn how to form like this good ego, like this, this ego that drives you. 
Would you say that or? Yeah, yeah, like I, I definitely agree. Like, there's good and bad ego. The good ego, I think we all have good ego, but yeah. the bad ego, like we've left that shit at the door. The man. good ego is like the the chip on your shoulder. Yeah, it's it's like that, that thing that drives you. Yeah, like yeah. I, I want to I want to do this better. I want to be. It's better. like the whole goal of Hardcore Headstart, which is to spread the the mission across the world. Like it's a movement, right? Which is egotistic if you think about it. And to also donate a billion dollars, which is also egotistic. Pushes me in physical challenges. I'll tell you that. Huh? It pushes me in fig- uh, physical challenges. It's like, mate, I'm this healthy, but for me, it's like, dude, I'm the best. I am unfathomably the best. Come, come, come fight against me. Come mm. beat me. Good luck. Am I the best in the world? Well, it's probably not, yeah? <laughs> but guess what? If when I'm in that moment right there, you cannot convince me otherwise. We say this in fighters all the time. Yeah. The fight, you, you try and tell a fighter he's not the best. It's not going to happen. But, um, yeah, well, ego, if you drop your ego, it allows you to objectively look at a, look at a situation, look at a problem, understand what's actually happening and find the solve that Jocko's talking about in his third principle. If you don't drop that ego... You're just, well, I mean, literally going to have that victim mentality and place the blame on someone else. To protect your ego. Exactly. Is there any exercises you guys do to identify bad ego? I think if, if you're highly disagreeable, it can be a sign of ego. Because like sometimes you can fucking, I see it with dumb people. You literally go to them and you like to tell a fact. Dude, the fact's a complete lie. And they're like, oh my, la, la, no, 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 this other thing. I'm like, dude, you're fighting based on a lie that doesn't even exist, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and you think you're an expert on this topic. How many hours have you studied this topic? Like, then that's a sign of ego. And their bias gets them. And then they just double down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't like know anything you were about it. Before, like, you were trying to justify a point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we don't really talk about topics that we don't understand, or we will tell, hey, we're like this is complete, you know, bullshit in some regards. Like whatever's coming out of our mouths right now, we don't actually know. But we only talk about stuff that we've studied and we've really put the work in, and we're confident that there's a lot of value in what we're saying. Yeah, you'll notice in our terminology as well is like if I say think, if I say I think or I believe this or something like that, it's it's a um, I'm still thinking through the idea. I'm still understanding. I'm still studying. When I say something, she's not to be. It's not to be questioned. It's not a like. It's not a. It's literally not a question. I'm telling you. Like here's the answer. I've studied this. I know this. This is a part of me. I'm now literally gifting it to you. This is advice. This is a consult. This is me helping you. This is because I care. This is because I love you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we've done a good job of building that culture of like making sure what we say is like what is right. But then there's also the other ego where there's people that are like saying shit that, you know, that's wrong, but they try to make it seem like it's right. I think pretty much you said that. They start using like big words and English and all this stuff. And it's yeah. just like, man, you're just doing, you're just blabbing bullshit. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure you get that in, in a lot of workplaces as well. Mm. I'm sure you get a ton of those people. Dude, like, we oh. live in the finance world. Yeah. How many times you hear some well, a sentence that you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Quantitative easing. 
what? <laughs> Just speak English, man. <laughs> so you're telling me it's going up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say it's going up. <laughs> I call you some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, boys. Anyway, let's... Uh, so what do we need to do? We need to switch our language, right? You want to talk about that one, Doc? Yeah, I think the first one we were speaking about was ego, right? So once we get through ego, the third step in Jocko's is to actually prioritize, figure out a solution and implement that shit. Yeah, right. So here's a, kind of some of the solutions that'll help you get yeah. uh, to removing that victim mentality and yeah. taking extreme ownership. But, um, uh, yeah, we, we switch language from uh, how could this happen to me versus what did I do for this to happen? Yeah, we'll give it. Go for it, man. Like speaking, like going back to like my parents when, you know, we were saying they're very risk averse people. They see the world uh, through the lens of fear instead of opportunity, right? Mm. Um, we've got this amazing uh, investment vehicle in Utoro, uh where we're generating 20 to 30% uh, returns each year. And I was just thinking like, I got this knowledge now. I want to give it to my parents because I owe them for everything they've given me. I owe them this, right? But then I still didn't have my ego in check when I went to consult with them because to them, they hate stocks. Like just don't understand stocks. They see it as a very uh, up and down thing and um, it's not stable. So me trying to explain to them took me months and that's my fault because it took them months to understand it. And months when you're investing is a big deal. Oh, it's yeah. a time-based opportunity, right? So I've actually lost the months of compounding because it was my it was my thing, right? It was my fault. I didn't I didn't I didn't look internally and, and be like, what did I do for them to not understand it? Yeah, that's right. Like I had so many scenario situations where like I would literally we would literally just be talking over each other and just it would get heated like. It didn't have to be that way. That was my fault. It wasn't their fault because I'm approaching them with new information. So switching up that, like I, I became aware of my ego. I was like, dude, this is my fault. Switch up my language from like, how could how could they not see what I'm trying to tell them to what did I do for them to not see what yeah. I was trying to say. 100%. And then once I switched that, now they're invested. Now they're invested big. They're invested more, like half of their total net worth yeah into our portfolio mm. so and again people people think by like using this uh, uh different terminology sometimes you can they attach it to like really really big problems and they think because you don't allow yourself to be the victim it's insensitive or something like it's actually the opposite of that entirely by me not playing the victim in literally anything even if it's extreme and honestly unreasonable, it allows me to put myself strongly mindset-wise in a position where I can solve that problem, right? And if I continue to take those small steps like terminology, changing the way I speak, which then eventually changes the way I think, I'm in a position to be able to deal with that problem by default, automatically, subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah, that was my example. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, it's super important. Like, that's the lives that we live. We're leaders. If we want to change the whole world, we focus on ourselves first. Like Jordan Peterson says, focus on ourselves, then focus on our friends and family, our initial community, and then you scale out to the whole world. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm that's like right. this with my partner. 
Shares when, when when Paul Shazer comes and is like, there's a problem at work that had nothing to do with her, and she wasn't even there, but she's the manager. And she goes, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. I don't, I don't say, oh, that sucks, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems insensitive to, you know, uh, a sillier person. But in my opinion, me helping her solve the problem, dealing with it, that's the most sensitive thing I could do. Because then it reduces stress, reduces problems, makes her take ownership of the situation. Yeah. I, I see these Gary Vee videos all the time where these guys like, saying to Gary Vee, like, oh, my staff member's just been playing up and all of that. Like, whose fault is it and what should I do? And then Gary Vee's just like, well, whose fault is it? Who hired that person? He's just like, oh, me. <laughs> and he's just like, dude, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> whose fault is it? You! <laughs> Talk yourself through it. Who hired him? <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple, right? So who's in control of training? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Dude, poor fucker. He has no self awareness, (laughs) and he starts a company. He's head head of recruitment. (laughs) Me, (laughs) me. So yeah, same with the manager thing. Like, it's your title. Your title is you fix every problem that that happens in the store. That's literally your one title. Yeah, like (laughs) one description of your title. This guy has a problem. Whose fault is it? Whose problem is it to fix? Uh, me? <laughs> what do you get paid for? <laughs> what? Anyway. Oh, funny funny story. Remember the fucking <laughs> the barbecue place down the road? Oh, <laughs> dude, that's the most. I think that's shit. a funny you gotta story. You're going to tell that. Story. Gonna tell that. Good story. Oh, far out. That's a hard one to tell. Though. It's a long one. <laughs> try to right. condense it in five minutes. I'll try and, yeah, I'll try and put a less yeah, you yeah. know emotion into it. Um, all right, so. <laughs> first of all, there's a barbecue place that opened up, which is essentially American barbecue that opened up in a Vietnamese town. So genius <laughs> right there. Second of all, <laughs> that's a meme. I guarantee it, it might work. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, so I ordered from Uber Eats uh, this uh, barbecue dish, whatever it was. Uh, and after an hour of waiting, these two boys ordered, by the way, and yeah. they'd already gotten their food and started We, we got our food, ate, finished. Finished eating an hour late. <laughs> I'm pretty finished as well. I'm pretty chill. Like I'm pretty calm. I, I I worked in hospitality, right? So we get it. When delays happen, we get it. So I was pretty chill. An hour goes by. So I start looking up Uber, um, call sender and be like, dude, my food hasn't come. I'm like 200th in the line though. So I'm like, Oof, I'm not doing that. So I call them up. I'm like, hey, you guys, I haven't got my food yet. It's been like an hour. What's going on? He goes, oh my God, no way. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Starts blaming the Uber driver because they do double dips and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Radio. Biggest live I've heard. Um, so he goes, oh, it'll be right there. I'm like, all right, no problem. Anyway. So literally another, what, 45 minutes go by, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, I think I call the guy up again. Yeah, and the app is saying preparing food. Yeah, still. it's still saying preparing food. I call the guy up again. I goes, oh, it hasn't come. He goes, oh, what's going on? Oh, no, I can see it's in the hot box. Like hotbox is the most revolutionary piece of technology ever. It's a food warmer, bro. And so after he realizes it's in the food warmer, um, he goes, oh, I'll send it right now. I'm like, all right, sweet. Food's coming. Another half an hour later, the thing gets canceled. I'm like, what the f- hold? <laughs> Wait, what? What just happened? So um, being us, this was not in a lockdown, so it was all good. But we decided that we're going to drive down there. <laughs> do a stakeout yeah. <laughs> and find my food man um, check the hot box <laughs> uh, check the hot box so we go down there um, and 
I'm waiting. First off, we get there. There's no lights on at all, which <laughs> <laughs> there's no power. There's, we, that stresses me. That stresses me out. Why is there so, no power, though? I'll get there. <laughs> so we uh, yeah, I line up. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'll ask him, et cetera, et cetera. The lights turn back on randomly, which is weird. It's just stressing me out. And then I hear this guy ask for chips and he's been waiting 25 minutes for chips. And I went, oh, I don't think I'm getting food tonight, boys. <laughs> and then everything went dark again, all the power. So they're running a one extension lead to a caravan. Like, come on, man. <laughs> caravan. Dude, I'm not an engineer, but that's not going to work. <laughs> all right. So all of us decide to uh decide oh, to, we no, decide the, to leave the funny thing is what happened after <laughs> oh yeah first of all like i'll, I'll do that really quickly because the conversation is the funny bit and the point yeah but um you know i've been waiting two hours for food here we all agree we're gonna go to a porto which is across the road g just drives straight past <laughs> my man i'm hungry yeah. come hey, on that has nothing to do with i just thought the story was funny because you so um previous to that um i saw i called this guy back again first of all he's the owner or manager um and i'm asking him uh, you know oh my food got cancelled what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any chance, you know, literally what's going on? Um, and the guy goes to me, <laughs> he goes to me, man, you didn't get your food. What do you think's happened? <laughs> Hell, you're what? supposed to know. <laughs> <That's dark. laughs> what do I think has happened? Dude, the manager of the so, store. Ask he, Doc. So <laughs> he, customer. So obviously right there from the conversation we've just previously been having, that's, that's real lack of ownership. Yeah. Oh, like, for sure, man. That's real lack of ownership. If you're what the manager. You, what do you think happened? What could we yeah. have done better? Yeah. <laughs> that's not customer feedback because I wasn't even the customer yet. Yeah. I didn't get my food. Um, but I, I simply told him because he didn't know we'd been there at that stage. So I simply told him, oh, I don't know, man. It must have been a power issue. Still <laughs> <laughs> so literally watching dude, it. Dude, the most random thing ever. Like, how would he possibly? <laughs> like, how would I possibly know that? I guarantee you, like, when you heard that, it was like, dude on around. the phone and he goes oh i'm on the way there now i'm like how you know it was in a food warmer from like an hour and a half ago then but i, I like that story because it relates to what we're saying yeah. like, people are trying to get it it's hard things but come on the man, point like, there is like how do you open a food truck and have one extension <laughs> like, come on. but like he easily at that point should have said when i'm an hour in going i'm not like something's happening right now. We either don't have power. It's really bad. I would Just suggest you, it. you know, cancel your order, try and reorder or call at the store. Or if you can go down there, something like this, you know, l- let me know that it's not possible. And then when we have that conversation of what's happening right now, don't ask your customer what the solution is because I'm the customer. He literally asked you to like, what can I do to run my business better? Yeah, so I own that now. Yeah. And um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so, but it's, it's, it's those kind of things. And that's um, like we try to use a funny example, yeah. but that's an example of like you should have taken ownership of that sim- uh, situation as a manager. And, you know, we're talking from a value point of view of provide value to your customer. So, fuck, oh, that was funny, boys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, like, like you said, it shows that lack of self awareness especially when running a store like you gotta you gotta have self-awareness you gotta know what you're doing you gotta have the knowledge and then on top of that you gotta have the extreme ownership because oh. if anything goes wrong it's on you man you're the manager how anything easy goes wrong. would it be like how easy would it be just to like say hey sorry daniel like i messed up tonight we just opened up 
Yeah. You know, sorry, I've got to cancel the order, but here's a voucher of 50 bucks or something. Come back again. You, you would have like gone back. You would have probably recommended it to other people. And you're like, these guys are nice people. Let's help them out. This is something we used to do all the time. You know, you provide that, uh, provide that voucher. And if you're not in the hospitality business, what that does is gets them to come back, spend that voucher. And they every time spend more money. Yeah. So you win from every point of view. You yeah. don't lose your reputation. Like there's not, and, and now because the four of us were there, you know, none of us are going to go eat there. Right. So he's just lost four customers. Yeah. which is you know that sucks for him but um you know that's it's directly hopefully resulted with the way that. he's thinking yeah hopefully he learns from that absolutely and it's like you could tell i don't want to bang him out because you can tell he's very inexperienced just by the way he handles that conversation um and maybe that's us being in the hospitality business for so long like we, we understand what it is and what it takes so it's like it sucks but take ownership of that <laughs> Um, the next a, point, uh, what are we talking about, boys? Oh, this is the, the good one, right? Of like the only sympathy, uh, the only thing sympathy gets you is a participation award. Who said that one the other day? Dana. Was it Dana? It was Dana, no, yeah. Dana, yeah. Yeah. This is. That's I a mean, nice one, yeah. Come yeah. on, guys. When uh, we're living in the world right now where participation awards are celebrated. Oh my days, man. <laughs> At least you yeah. did it. At least you ran. Yeah. Feeling sympathy for yourself or feeling sorry for yourself, one of the identifiers of victim mentality we were talking about before. It's not going to get you anywhere. It gets you the basic level, which is the the world around you. You know, we've, it's been a, I guess, kind of topic of last podcast with Johnny Boy and, you know, raise your standards. Your standards need to be higher. You know, don't feel sorry for yourself and don't think it's okay because the environment around you thinks it's okay. Raise your standards. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Take ownership of the situation and uh, be better. Yeah. Yeah. And in saying that as well, like if, like if you do do something small, like that makes you a better person, like celebrate that mm. yourself, but don't go around to people and be like, oh, you know, I'm the best because I ran like two Ks. <laughs> That's the ego. Right? That's the ego, um, right? Yeah. Like celebrate yourself. Like, be like, oh, man, I did 2Ks. That's awesome. How much can I do next time? Yeah. Maybe 3K. Or like, you know, like celebrate the small wins yourself. Is there any other points that we want to touch on or we just go straight to the recommendations for the books and the heroes? I've got one. I've got one. That's right. Right. We've talked about like, you know, um, everyone faces challenges and, you know, life is about suffering, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a quote that uh, Dana won't let us uh, he want he really want us to make sure we put out there, and it's beautiful. It's, you can't control the world or the world around you. You can only control your response to the world. It's a good one, right? And in order for them not to really you know, read between the lines, even though it's obvious, things are going to happen to you. Life is about suffering. It's inevitable. It sucks, but. It's the way you react to what happens to you that determines the person you are and the life that you get to live in this world. Like, I think going back to the sympathy thing, um, a personal experience for me was like when I was probably the heaviest I've ever been in my life. Um, I think I got up to like 105 kilos at one point. It was just miserable. Um, I was just seeking sympathy of like, oh, it's okay to eat bad food. It's okay. You'll burn it off. It's okay. And like that just snowballed into like this tugboat 
<laughs> like literally became a tugboat. <laughs> like tugboat. yeah, <clears throat> that wasn't a good period in my life. And like for me, uh, a weakness of mine is sugar. I love chocolate. I love donuts. I love all that shit. And I was just like, I had no control. Um, I was being a victim. Oh, my genetics are shit. Oh, I've yeah. been like that, you know? Yeah. You're the best in that. <laughs> but then I fucking put in the work. I realized, dude, I'm going down a slippery slope here. Mm. I got to fucking get back to normal. Cut out sugar and all that shit for like a year. Didn't eat any fucking chocolate for a year. And it took me that long to burn off the, the fat, man. Mm. I just like, it's like losing a year. Yeah. yeah. Because of shitty decisions I've made. And I was looking for sympathy and excuses. Yeah, that's so, a good point. Like when you're looking for that sympathy, you're looking like for it from the environment around you and if you're in that kind of unfortunate shitty environment you're going to get that sympathy which is the worst thing for you yeah it's like having it's like hearing what you want to hear yeah when that's not that's not the thing that you should be hearing Dude, your mental diet is so important you need to be consuming things that especially if you're in that kind of sympathetic point of view that are different to that yeah. and like during that time for me a really good quote that I like really kept in the back of my head was if you want to do something right, do it yourself. So if I want to do this shit right for myself, my health, I got to do it myself. Like I just kept that going in the back of my head and I lost all the way. Yeah. That's good. That's a good one. All right. Should we get to the, uh, yeah. So the recommendations boats, right. should we start with the uh, fat free salt reduced margarine? <laughs> like when i first read that i'm like who the hell is that <laughs> salt reduced margarine so, so that is uh our good friend butters aka johnny butler, <laughs> butler. <laughs> so if you haven't watched the uh the previous podcast that we had with him <laughs> highly recommend you go check that out dude i should not be doing notes <laughs> <laughs> no man like what the hell is that <laughs> free salt reduced. we called johnny butler butters Free salt reduced margarine. <laughs> what is That's wrong with that? Shit. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. So other than Johnny Boy, we have obviously Jocker Willink. Um, you'll see like the clips of him um, in the video. Um, and David Goggins, man, stay hard, stay hard. <laughs> yep. Um, and the book obviously is um, yeah, Twelve Rules for Life, which yeah. is the Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson book. Yep. Um, also recommend go checking out Extreme Ownership, which is Jocko Willing's book. Yeah. Anything else, boys? Um, what's that quote? I can't read it from here, but it's, if you can understand Extreme Ownership, then, oh, here we go. So once you can understand Extreme Ownership, then you'll understand that your financial situation, your happiness, your health and fitness of your body, the quality of your relationships is, your, is always your responsibility to improve. So you will understand that everything that happens to you is up to you. I think on that note, back her up. Back it up. Let's back go to boats. Back it up. Back her up. Back it up. Back her up. Thank you for listening. <laughs>